it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're not in the eye of the storm, good job. Uh, if you are, please, you have to get out. We do have some, uh, we have a lot of affiliates over in Florida, and if you're, there's no reason to take any risk. Uh, we won't be discussing much of the hurricane because most of the people uh, will be listening local and or will lose their power. We'll get it within the last 24 hours. Uh, in the next 24 hours, it's supposed to hit. Governor DeSantis is supposed to speak. We'll bring back the highlights. Mike Rogers is standing by, former FBI guy and chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intel. And we'll talk to Colonel Lieutenant Colonel Allen West about what's happening on that Texas border. But for now, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman because that's where they see his vulnerability. No kidding. A a lot of Democrats are vulnerable when it comes to crime. Crime emerges as a leading issue in the midterms. For Dems, there's nowhere to hide. We look at its impact. The polls and the state of the race is... Number two. We don't have a good immigration policy. We don't have a a secured border. Let's work on that together. Yeah, uh, that is Senator Joe Manchin desperate to get her, get his fossil fuel deal done. Border wars. Tell the truth, Mayor Adams. It's not Greg Abbott who has you building 10 cities in the Bronx. It's two Democrats, the mayor of El Paso and President Biden. As a flood of kids overrun the border, this administration broke the border and refuses to fix the border. Number one. The gas price stuff he's saying is nonsense. This is not the kind of thing where you can fool people. You know, it's not some abstruse statistic where people can't see for themselves what's going on. And it doesn't help Biden or the Democrats for him to spout this nonsense that people can see is not true. Uh, Britt Hume uh, talking about what's happening with the president and uh, the United States just saying things that clearly are flat out lie or untruth or a misinterpretation of the truth. Disturbing. That's how I see the economy as the stock market goes into bear territory. And Biden again does the blame game. As gas prices go up, the Dow goes down and them policies inflict pain. That's all. We'll see how it all affects you. And get this. The student loan forgiveness plan costs all of us $400 billion. Yeah. $400 400 billion. Just go into your wallet, pull out some money, and give it to somebody with a higher education than you because they don't want to pay. Mike Rogers joins us now, uh, former chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intel. Uh, Mike, welcome back. Brian, always good to be back. Love your top three. Hey, uh, first off, when it comes to the FBI in general, uh, some have speculated that are in the FBI and now retired that they basically have subservient to the DOJ. That even though there's only one political appointee and they have a 10-year term, uh, they basically are the henchmen for the Department of Justice political uh, political point of view. And we're seeing it over and over again, whether it's Mar-a-Lago as opposed to the Hunter Biden situation. What do you see? Well, 
first of all, listen, I, I, I was uh, an FBI agent, as you know. I was in Chicago. I worked organized crime, chased guys like, you know, Jimmy Diesel and Goggles and Johnny No-Nose, Johnny Apes. I chased them all, right? And so those are real FBI agents doing real work for, uh, across the country, which is the vast majority. Something seems to be happening in the leadership of the FBI in Washington, D.C., where politics was allowed to creep in. And again, when I was there in the 80s, and uh, early 90s, I mean, that was just so considered taboo. Somehow along the way, somebody decided to let this, to let these personal feelings or and or affect their decisions. That's got to change. That culture at the top must change. You cannot have the public losing faith in the FBI. It is too important an organization for the country. And and what I, I, I do think that DOJ has had an undue influence on the kinds of cases and how they're uh, affecting and dispensing justice. Um, and that's that's dangerous. But that's when you need the that's when you need Christopher Ray to say, listen, I'm not going to have my people do that. Uh, I, I, you can't get me in the middle of this. I just was in the Mueller investigation. I was just with the Hunter Biden controversy. Now I've got to go raid Mar-a-Lago. I'm not going to be in the middle of this. Uh, there's got to be another way. I mean, don't you think there could be pushback from the man or woman oh, in charge? Oh, absolutely. Listen, there's no, uh, no, no prosecutor is going to get their raid jacket on and go out and kick in the door. It ain't happening, right? So the, the FBI has the ability to push back. And listen, we're starting a, a, a Chinese espionage case in this country. Every 10 hours, a new one gets open. That's how aggressive it is. There are better things for us to be worried about than some of the things that they're spending lots of resources on. I'm not saying you can't do multiple things all at the same time at the FBI. They can. But we also have to be sensible about where our real threats are. Think of fentanyl coming across the border. Last year killed something like 70,000 Americans. That's a crisis. That's an emergency. If I would, uh, you know, working for a day, that's what the FBI would be focused on. How do we get at the root cause of that fentanyl? Where is it starting? Where is it trans, uh, transiting? And how is it getting in? That's a great day for an FBI. Right. Agent. And it there's starts other, with China. other stuff. And it's yeah, trafficked, exactly. trafficked by the cartels. And then we just can yeah. stop it at the border. But you got to do it with more than 15,000 people. Maybe we have some of those IRS agents uh, do that. I want to talk about Russia and Ukraine. Uh, essentially, uh, Vladimir Putin is seen to have overplayed his hand, not only with the war and the invasion, but now with the uh, trying to mobilize 300,000 people. He has caused a flood at airports and at his borders. There was a shooting at two recruitment centers. Uh, what's going on in Russia from the best you understand? Uh, how close to Vladimir Putin is to being ousted? You know, I'm I'm always reluctant to call the oust, you know, throw the ousting card. And I'll tell you why. Think about, remember the Castros? We thought, oh, any minute now, for 50 years, we said, any minute now, he's going. Uh, Assad in Syria, any minute now, all this pressure, he's going. Uh, none of those things happen. One of the things we have to understand is Putin owns the ministries, and it is a security-oriented state. He owns all the apparatus of the security state. So it's going to be hard for him to get ousted. I mean, he's going to look like obviously he's going to have turmoil. It's going to be bad. Uh, there'll still be a lot of those 300,000 that do show up when they're supposed to. Um, I think it's going to be a while. I think he can hold on through this longer than we think. And remember, he controls the media as well. So he'll, he'll control a lot of the message that most people are hearing. And the recruitment, by the way, is happening by ethnic minorities and rural 
outside of the big cities in Russia, specifically St. Petersburg and Moscow, that these folks are going to have just a kind of different attitudes about it. Uh, and those are the ones that are doing the dying for Russia right now. Uh, and it's, they don't have political clout and they don't have government clout uh, in their kit bags to push back that hard. So you'll see some of this. I would be a little skeptical about him just getting ousted and, uh, you know, we wake up tomorrow and somebody decided to throw, throw him out. I'm just not sure I'd see that knowing how much control he has over the security state. Well, then we should arm Ukraine with everything they need. Here's Vladimir Zelensky uh, talking over the weekend. Cut 37. Artillery helps us to save the lives of our warriors, our fighters. They need uh, an opportunity to get supplies of tanks from the United States as well as Europe. If the U.S. will be able to show its leadership and will be able to get the tanks, um, then the Germany, then Germany and other European countries will follow air defense systems. We absolutely need the United States to show leadership and give Ukraine the air defense systems. Well, yeah, they need more air defense systems. Germany's not doing almost anything. They promise those tanks are not delivering them. So they need some pressure from the U.S. on them. But if you put if they continue to make progress and continue to kill Russians, they're dead about 80,000 dead or missing. And meanwhile, they can't even mobilize 300,000 that aren't really reserves. They're just males. Uh, this, they, could, they could just wither. Yeah, well, and uh, yes, and by the way, China is, is supplying a lot of this, so we shouldn't forgive them in this process either. But remember the administration coming out months ago and saying, oh, we've given them everything that they need, right? And every week we get these plea, passionate pleas from people who are fighting with whatever they have, these Ukrainian soldiers, unbelievable, uh, and making an impact on the Russian army. Listen, we're already in. When you gave that first tank, that first anti-tank missile, we're in. So give them what they need to win on the battlefield. This this drip, drip, drip is only causing lots of casualties uh, for for Ukrainians. And, why, you know, obviously they're turning around with what they have and, and putting the hurt on the Russians. That's right. great news. Right. Uh, but why would we why would we allow these Ukrainians to suffer and die because we don't have the courage and fortitude to just give them what they need? By the way, this is amazing. And I've talked to a lot of uh, folks who have been there on the ground, senior military officers and advisors. And what they're saying is they don't need much training. They're so motivated. These folks are so motivated on the ground, Ukrainians that they're taking a little bit of training and taking those weapon systems and then being really outrageously creative in their combat tactics. And that's how they're really putting the hurt on the Russians. Gosh, give them what they need. So we don't have, we, we're not reading about, you know, leveled cities in Eastern Ukraine. That would be awesome. Well, give them the tanks, give them the air defense systems. They'll figure it out uh, as just as they have along the way. And you're going to actually stop death. Uh, earlier. This whole notion that that's causing slot is just not true. You know, Russian soldiers will die. Absolutely. That's going to happen. Uh, but what we could do is save a lot of Ukrainian civilians by doing this. And my argument is, let's go. Let's get it done. You want to you want a negotiation with Putin? You have got to set the table right now. It's just this. We're giving them enough not to lose. That is a terrible strategy. So evidently, Ian Bremer writes that several officials from uh, Turkey noted that they, the Russians are talking about possibly holding talks with Zelensky 
at which time they would take they would demand Zelensky recognize that Crimea is theirs, independent status for the now partially occupied Ukrainian territories of Luhansk and Donetsk, and control over Kherson to ensure water supply for Crimea. Zelensky will never agree to that, and I don't think he has to agree to that. Do you agree? No, he doesn't have to agree to that. I mean, they're losing on the battlefield. Pretty hard for you to say I stake a claim when I'm losing. And so, again, that's why you want to set this table by uh, continuing to pummel the Russian army into the point where Putin doesn't have any choice. He's going to have to declare victory and go home in many places. I do think that it's important for Zelensky to pick, you know, to draw a line at some point. We can't have permanent war. But that has to be up to him in his decision. You know, you know, get what you can get. Stop the fighting. Stop the bloodshed. Uh, and then you can go back and, and uh, work to get back other pieces. I think Crimea is going to be uh, a an absolute drop dead zone for the Russians. We need to calculate that in to these discussions. If you can get them out of the rest of Russia and then continue not to recognize it and put uh, diplomatic and, and political pressure on Crimea. It might be a good outcome. I'm not right. saying that's the right decision up front, but at some point, uh, you know, barring an invasion of Crimea uh, by the Ukrainians, which is quite possible, by the way, um, you know, we've 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 got to try to find a way to get Putin to to pull out and negotiate that pullout. And the way you do that, by the way, is putting the hurt on him and giving the materials that uh, Zelensky's asking for. Mike Rogers, our guest. I want you to talk about Iran because right now we're continuing to move forward with the best deal Iran will ever see in their lives. Uh, they get uh, all this money back. They'll be allowed to sell their oil on the world to, uh, with the rest of the world on the global market. And uh, they just have to guarantee without inspections not to start a nuclear weapons program. And if despite the widespread riots to the killing of this woman for not wearing a proper headdress and there's riots across the country, we are still talking to them. Listen to Jake Sullivan, cut 40. The fact that we are in negotiations with Iran on its nuclear program is in no way impacting our willingness and our vehemence in speaking out about what is happening on the streets of Iran. We have, in fact, taken tangible steps to sanction those morality police right. who caused the death of Masa Amini. We've taken steps to make it easier for Iranians to be able to get access to the Internet and access to uh, communications. Tech. Right. So your feeling about continuing to talk to them on this nuclear program? Oh, this is a disaster. I, and here's the thing, Brian. I lived through this. I was chairman of the Intelligence Committee when they were doing the secret negotiations. With President with Obama. Yes, with President Obama, where it led to the first uh, JPOA, the first nuclear deal with Iran. And despite warnings, despite the intelligence community saying, you know, just just so you know, you're going to give them cash. They're going to turn that around and turn it into terrorism activities around the world, which they did. And what happened was, if you remember back then, there was a whole bunch of rioting and we couldn't hardly get a peep out of the Obama administration about supporting the people coming out to the streets. Uh, and guess what you're seeing now? I mean, this uh, I have to tell you, again, what, the way they try to present their case is fundamentally not in line with the facts on the ground. I watched them stop programs that we knew were going to be more impactful on shutting down a nuclear uh, effort from Iran than anything that they were talking about. We watched them just unplug them, turn them off, uh, didn't want to offend them. As a matter of fact, Syria. Uh, which at that time, before Ukraine was the largest humanitarian crisis, was caused because they didn't want to 
honk off the Iranians in these negotiations. And that thing just lit a fire and they watched it burn. And here we go again. I mean, exactly the same thing. These people are coming to the streets. We ought to do everything that we can to empower people to take their government back, even negotiating with them. They need cash. We don't give them the don't give we're them going the to deal. sadly yeah, my, my it's unbelievable we're going to make the same mistake and not bring it to Congress because a lot of Democrats are against it we can they can't even get a briefing Mike Rogers always great educational Mike Rogers thanks so much hey thanks Brian one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine I'll come back I'll take your calls then we talk about the border Lieutenant Colonel Allen West busy schedule we'll follow it all giving you everything you need to know you're with Brian Kilmeade. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And if you look at Pennsylvania, for example, what's been interesting to me is it's always you follow the money and where are people spending money. And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman because that's where they see his vulnerability. So, yes, the economy is hanging over everything. But you do have to look at state by state factors. And crime is a huge issue in the Pennsylvania race. So let's see. Interest rates going up hard to buy a house. Let's see the stock market dropping hard to look at your 401k. Uh, let's just see what else is going economically. Oh, well, inflation making the dollar worth less and paycheck to paycheck. Uh, if that is your situation, you're really feeling it. But then in the meantime, if you don't have security, you don't have anything. And we're witnessing now is random state of these cities and suburbs with uh, lenient law enforcement because they're not backed by the law in many of these states making crime front and center. And according to these latest polls, crime is the number one issue uh, that people are going to be voting on. And next, they're going to be voting on the economy. Please tell me what the good story is for the president. He has an interesting tact in handling this, saying things that we know are true, saying they're not, saying gas prices are going down. They've gone up for the last six days. The economy, we're in a stronger position than anybody else. That is not true. Our inflation is lower than most. That is not true. What is true is we got challenges ahead, and I always thought good leadership was addressing the challenges and telling us how to beat them, how to scale that hurdle. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We don't have a good immigration policy. We don't have a, a secured border. Let's work on that together. We had a 2013 piece of legislation that was the greatest bipartisan piece we ever had, Neil. Couldn't get it passed in the Republican House. So let's go back and try some of that. 
Let's look right. at the things that's really wrong with this country and quit saying, well, if we fix that, then maybe the Democrats and Republicans will get credit for it. I don't want people to get credit. I want the country to get credit. Let's be an American. Well, uh, that's true. I just don't know why you did the last deal, Joe Manchin, and now you're struggling to get Republicans to support you when it comes to oil field permits. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us now. Uh, he admits the border's broken. Is that half the? Uh, is that solving half the problem? Admitting you have a problem, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Well, it's good to be with you, Brian. I think it is. Uh, I mean, even when you turn over to MSNBC and Joe Scarborough is starting to talk about the Democrats have failed on uh, border security. And it is clear and it is evident to so many people now. And the question is, okay, so are they going to start admitting it from the White House? Because it was not too long ago when the White House spokesperson, uh, our version of Baghdad Bob, I think, said that it's not like anyone is walking across the border. So I still think you have a bit of a delusional uh, atmosphere and and, uh, perspective coming from the White House. But when you're talking about 2.53 million people illegally in the country, 800,000 to 900,000 gotaways we have no accountability to track of, and they still keep coming, this is very disconcerting. You're seeing the undermining of our sovereignty as a constitutional republic. I mean, put it this way. I'm just going to ask you. uh, We have um, 1,000 people in tents in the Bronx. Five tents are going up. And people say, well, why don't you have a heart? A heart? Okay, fine. How much money would you like to hand over right now from your wallet to them? And because they want a better life, some are in the, some are in extreme circumstances, perhaps. Everybody's better off in our country. We selfishly believe that, even though people in our country, for the most part, don't. They think we're a terrible country. So they want to come here for a better life. Well, on our dollar? I have to pay for their transportation. I have to pay for their accommodations. I got to pay to get them a job, to get them a translator, get them to school. Where, where, where do my kids, my family, my community, my county, where do my countrymen come in on that? Are they now taking a seat at the back of the line? So take out your credit card and go go into overdraft if you have to. Write a check. Pay the fees for these people that you don't know with a background that will never understand. Well, Brian, you just described yourself as an extremist and a fascist, according to the progressive socialist left. Guilty. Because you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about putting American kids first. You're talking about making sure that we take care of the American taxpayer first. I got to tell you, the people that should be most upset are the ones here in America that came here the the legal immigration path that did everything right that paid tens of thousands of dollars that waited for their opportunity and then they had the uh, the ability to raise their right hand and get that uh, citizenship here in the United States of America those are the people that should be the most upset here is Murad Awada she's in New York City executive director of the New York Immigration Coalition cut 15 but the issue here isn't necessarily of do we do that kind of welcoming work? Yes, we do. It's why are they not coordinating? If their issue is actually sending people here and they want to, you know, we have better services and everything, pick up the phone, call Governor Hochul, call the mayor's office. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, not a real argument they're using. They're just trying to create more division within Americans to actually sow seeds of hatred. That's what Republicans are doing, uh, more to your point. So how many people call Governor Abbott ahead of time when they storm into the Rio Grande Valley? Uh, Do they call Governor Abbott and say, can I have my lunchbox, please, and my Nikes and my iPhone? 
No, the the cartels don't give a courtesy call to the, anyone here. Oh, I thought they did. That's Governor strange. Abbott or Governor yeah. Ducey. Uh, they don't give a courtesy call when they say, hey, look, we're going to try to ship over, you know, hundreds of thousands of fentanyl pills, and we're going to uh, rainbow color them as well. So be on the lookout for them coming. No, no one has given us a courtesy call down here. And that's why now you have about 35 counties in the state of Texas that have said we are facing an invasion and we want something to be done about it because we're not safe. We're not secure. We're being overrun. So the division is being created when you have an administration that is completely abdicating their constitutional duty and responsibility. They're dismissing this issue. And I hate to put it this way, Brian, but the body bags are stacking up on Joe Biden's watch between the hundreds of thousands of Americans losing their lives to fentanyl, the women and children that are being you know, losing their lives, being raped, being murdered, things of this nature along that border. Uh, and now, you know, people are once again drowning in the Rio Grande River because the uh, the levels have increased. The unaccompanied migrant children already in this country, 140,186 already. That's in September. We're not done yet. In 2021, 146,000. In February, get this, in fiscal year uh, 2020, 33,000. All problematic. All have to go to sponsor families. All have to be get special accommodations in school systems, often over uh, overtaxed because they put a lot of these illegals into working class areas because they seem to complain the least or certainly have the less power. How about this? Greg Abbott is on the cover of the New York Post. Why? Because it turns out he was blaming Governor Abbott for all his problems. Governor Abbott has sent 2,700 illegals to New York. That's 19 percent. The mayor of El Paso, a Democrat, 4,230. That's prior to today. Overall, there's been 14,000. So Governor Abbott has given all of 20 percent of those numbers. The person that Mayor Adams should be complaining to and Governor Hochul, who doesn't ever bring this up, is President Biden. That's it. We're, that, those are the overflights. Those people are waltzing into the sanctuary city. No, you know, it's amazing to me that all of those flights, back when you reported it, you knew about this in Westchester County, New York, when those flights were landing in the middle of the night. Same happened in Nashville, Tennessee, and Jacksonville, Florida. There was not a peep from the mainstream media. There was not a peep from, you know, Governor Hochul or anybody when those flights were landing and they were sponsored by the Biden administration. Oh, by the way, those flights continue to happen. And now we find out that the cartels are chartering private airplanes and they're landing all over the United States of America. So, you know, this has really become a political, you know, game, a political game of hot potato. It would just behoove everyone to take a deep breath and do what is right by the American people, like you said, starting off. Do what is right by our our own children. Do what is right by the taxpayers. Do what is right to, to make sure that our kids are not overdosing on this fentanyl. But no one seems to want to, to, to take the, the step to, to make sure that that happens. Yeah. I want to bring it to Texas now. Beto O'Rourke, who wants to be the next governor, thinks the best thing he could do is be critical of the president. Just like Tim Ryan, he's changing his tune to get elected. Listen to him over the weekend, cut 27. Candidate Biden didn't spend a dime or a day in the Rio Grande Valley or really anywhere in Texas for that matter once we got down the home stretch of the general election. you got to be locking eyeballs with the people that you want to fight for and serve and whose votes that you want to win. 
Really? Now he says President Biden's got to go eyeball everybody and say what? I'm going to reinforce the border? Yeah, and this comes from the guy that, you know, has said that he's for open borders. He has said that he's for decriminalizing people coming across the border illegally. That's a federal offense. You know, it's interesting, Brian, that you bring up uh, Mr. O'Rourke, because this morning my Bible devotional was about being uh, on the lookout for the wolf in sheep's clothing. So obviously what you see happening with Mr. O'Rourke is the same thing you see happening with many other Democrats, like you just talked about Tim Ryan, trying to separate themselves from uh, Joe Biden and tricking uh, independents and maybe soft Democrats, blue dog Democrats, into uh, supporting them and voting for them. But I think people are smarter than that. Yesterday, the president of the United States took his time. Almost 11 months ago, the Braves won the World Series. Time to honor him. Yeah. Cut 34. The franchise never quit, never gave in. You rebuild the whole outfield practically overnight. Play by play, inning by inning, you grind, you ground it out, and you did it together. You made the playoffs and beat the Braves, the, the Brewers, and the Dodgers, and then you beat the Astros to win it all. Forever known as the upset kings of October, but none of it came easy. People counted you out. Heck, I I, I know something about being counted out, and <laughs> and I know in Georgia you show up when it counts. Right in Georgia, and by the way. Uh, you also the same place that was supposed to have the All Star Game, but who got yeah. rid of it? When you said Georgia was uh, Jim Crow 2.0, Stacey Abrams helped get rid of the All Star Game and put it into Colorado. This is very near and dear to my heart because you know I was born and raised in Atlanta, and I used to sell cokes at the old Fulton County Stadium for the Atlanta Braves. I love the Braves, and you're right. The, the fact that Joe Biden did not apologize to the city of Atlanta and to the Atlanta Braves for moving the All-Star game away, which was supposed to be a recognition of the home run king, Hank Aaron. Uh, And think about all of the minority small businesses that were affected by that. Uh, It would have been nice. It would have been a a showcase of honor, integrity, and class for him to apologize to the Braves. But you know what? Hats off to the Braves and the organization because they didn't take a dig at the president saying that, you know, he who laughs, 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 laughs the best and uh, saying that you took away the the all-star game but we won the 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 world series but uh the braves are just a class organization always have been that's why i love the atlanta braves and i'll always be a braves fan uh we're talking to alan west last question now all of a sudden people in the press room bring up hey shouldn't the braves change their name and what about the tomahawk chop should the braves change their name no and we're not going to, and uh, it's just not going to happen. It's just the same as the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, they're not changing their name. As a matter of fact, the Tomahawk Chop came to the Atlanta Braves when Deion Sanders, as you know, a graduate from Florida State, great uh, two-sport uh, two player, uh, brought the Tomahawk Chop to the Braves uh, Stadium, uh, old Fulton County Stadium. So, nope, we're not changing our name. We're not getting rid of the Tomahawk Chop. All right, I hear you. Make it a stand. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, thanks so much. My pleasure. Go get them, Brian. Uh, you too. one uh, 408 When we come back, open up the phones. Also, if you prefer to write, briankillme.com. Uh, just click on contact, and then you'll be able to write me. I can read it out loud. Don't move. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
As you sit here at 81 and Joe Biden's uh, 79, do you think he should run again for the presidency? Well, that's his decision. Uh, I, I know it's his decision. You know, Joe is a friend of mine, and I yeah. think against enormous opposition, he has tried to do some very, very uh, good things, and he will make that decision himself. But I think, again, and, and you know, you're not going to hear this much on corporate but, but television, Senator, if I may Senator, say so. Senator, what we need is, Gail, what we need is people. What do people, you think? What do I think? That's uh, his decision. Yeah. No, okay, that's, not, okay. that's his decision. All right. So Bernie Sanders will not answer the question. Why wouldn't he just say run again, Joe? Because he would might want to run again, perhaps. Although he re- really is too old. I'm not sure if he lost his fastball, if he ever had one. He's just delusional. He wants to tax billionaires and he wants to spread out the wealth and he wants to wipe out. He wants everything to be green. But, of course, he doesn't want to do anything himself. This guy's got two or three houses, beautiful cars. I'm sure he flies around private wherever he goes. Wife had a, a job at a college that's still, I think, being investigated about what she came away with. But he likes to bat, uh, go to bat uh, for uh, – he's got a huge cause, almost like – uh, Rand Paul's dad, Ron Paul, he has a certain element that will follow him through fire. He's the main reason that Joe Biden's president, because Democrats didn't want him as president. The problem is the president is delusional about his economy, uh, and he's delusional that gas prices are going down. They're going up. He's delusional. He said that the stock market uh, is not is not indicative of the uh, economy. Okay, well, it's in a bear market now. We dropped under 30,000. We hope for a comeback today, but it's not likely. We know the interest rates are about to pound the housing market, and still he is in denial. Listen to what he says yesterday. The audio's not great, but here's his message. Cut three. Countries around the world grappling with elevated inflation and um, and, uh, ongoing war in Ukraine presenting challenges as well. But amidst all of that, uh, here's what I want the American people to know. Because of their resilience, the American people's resilience, and because of the economic strategy we pursued, pursued, the United States of America is in a stronger position than any other country to navigate these global challenges. The average uh, income, the average person lost $4,200 worth of income. The Dow is in a bear market, lost all the Trump gains in just two weeks, in two, uh, over the last two months, but mainly in over the last two weeks. The market has lost 20%. Oil jumped over 2% at $76 a barrel. For six straight days, uh, gas has ticked up. To me, the instinct would be, listen, I'm, I'm lo- not, this is what I would do. I'm not, lo- I'm not liking these trends. I'm not liking the direction it's going. I'm working with the Fed to find out what's going on because the combination of just raising rates and spending is not working. I would say I'm rethinking the student loan forgiveness, which would cause uproar. But they just did an estimate on the uh, at the um, uh, at the OMB, the office of the um, uh, they just did an estimate on how much it's going to cost. It's going to cost $400 billion, but it's not going to cost the people who are getting their loan forgiven for student loans. They've already taken and they signed off on and agreed to. It's going to come out of the federal budget. So they say this is deficit reduction. They brought out any deficit reduction that they got is because they're not spending pandemic money anymore. So, of course, when you don't spend extra money because of a global pandemic, it's going to look like deficits going down. But it's nothing you did. It's what the pandemic did. And that's received. But I think it's important to know that this student loan debt, I think, is going to boomerang because more people paid their loans or didn't take a loan than actually took a loan and can't pay the loan. So they're going to take for 20 million people. They're going to help. But they're going to cost four hundred billion dollars in into our deficit, essentially, or cost us money. So for people who just learned to trade or didn't go to grad school, 
Guess what? You have to pay between ten and twenty thousand dollars off. It comes out of your dollars and your cents. Comes out of uh, your budget. So that's what President Biden has done. Larry Kudlow weighed in. Cut five. It's really worldwide. All of this woke, progressive, Keynesian economics has just failed dismally. And you should add to that the war against fossil fuels. I mean, every country, the U.S., Britain, the European Union, have all fallen into the same trap. People see right through what Mr. Biden is saying and his fraudulent assertions. But unfortunately, in the short run, we are pretty much all of us, all these countries, uh, in recession, going into recession, and the recession is going to get deeper as interest rates rise and these central banks belatedly fight inflation. So it's going to be a tough story in the short run. And get ready for this, the Putin price hike. Yeah, this extended war with Vladimir Putin has caused oil and gas to rise, or we're going to get on those gas stations and oil and gas companies making record profits. You just watch. Uh, Angela Morbido weighed in, talked about what's going to be worse, the spending, cut eight. I think it is extremely telling that the Democrats claim to be fighting inflation, and yet they're going to spend $420 billion on a student loan bailout. They're pouring gasoline on the fire of inflation, and it really disrupts their entire narrative. It's also, one, totally illegal, two, vote buying in advance of the midterms, and three, only going to make things economically worse. Uh, and I don't care what the polls say. If things continue this uh, in the last week in September, if it's like this in the first week in November, doesn't matter. Nothing Republicans have done. They will look and say, who has power? Whose decisions were made? What programs were implemented? And what has the result been? My life is markedly worse in the things that matter most in the economy. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have a simulcast at about 45 after with the great Stuart Varney. Senator John Corn at the bottom of the hour and Ainsley Earhart has fulfilled her obligation to come and be on this show for at least a half hour. Uh, it was on her schedule. She suddenly realized she was here. She couldn't back out of it because I saw her. Is this true, Ainsley? This is true. I, I actually tried to leave. Security pulled me back into the office, into the building and said, uh, Brian's show will not be the same unless you go on. You are, you have a commitment. Okay, really? Where did this so, happen, and who was the security person? Uh, on the, at the side entrance of 48 and uh, <laughs> That's all. Avenue. They don't want to give you their name. Right. Let's find no, out. No, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, it's, it's true. Let's see how it goes and see if I'll have you back. Uh, the name of your book is I'm So Glad You Were Born, a children's book celebrating who you are. Has a great message. It's the same Ainsley. You're the same one from Fox and Friends, right? Yes, sir. And was on the five last night? Yes, sir. Okay, fine. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman because that's where they see his vulnerability. Because he's vulnerable. That's why Jen Psaki, crime emerges as a lead issue in the midterms. And for the Dems, there is nowhere to hide. We look at its impact, the polls, and the state of the races. Number two. We don't have a good immigration policy. We don't have a, a secured border. Let's work on that together. Yeah, let's see if that happens. Senator Joe Manchin trying to get Republican support for his uh, fossil fuel bill. 
border wars. Tell the truth, Mayor Adams. It's not Greg Abbott who's been building 10 cities in the Bronx, who you're building 10 cities for. Two Democrats, the mayor of El Paso and President Biden, are responsible for the, for the most of the illegals that have come into your city of 8 million people. Number one. The gas price stuff he's saying is nonsense. This is not the kind of thing where you can fool people. You know, it's not some abstruse statistic where people can't see for themselves what's going on. And it doesn't help Biden or the Democrats for him to spout this nonsense that people can see is not true. Disturbing. That's how I see the economy if the stock market goes into bear territory. And Biden again plays the blame game as gas prices go up, the Dow goes down, and the Dems' policies inflict pain. We'll see how it affects all of you. And with me right now, someone affected by the economy because you live in America. You choose to live in America. I know, right? Right. Yeah. When I was covering the Queen, I remember talking to someone who was, and I was in the UK, and they watch Fox. And they were like, oh, we would, what would we do without Fox? And I said, are you thinking about moving out of America? They're like, we're worried about our democracy. I said, so am I. They go, not you. If you moved, what are we going to do? We No, no, Fox can't. And I said, no, I'm not moving out of America. I love our country. But, yeah, we do worry about the state of our democracy. And in one of the recent polls, that was number two on the list. Remember that, Brian? Right. Number one was inflation. Number two was the current state of our democracy. Right, absolutely. So the President of the United States, the thing that's so odd, I think, about what he does is not admit things that we know are true. So the thing about the economy, he's saying gas prices are going down. They've gone up for seven straight days. He says they're under $3. We can't find any place under $3. Victor Davis Hanson says on the West Coast, he backed over to $7. Uh, I guess gets diesel fuel. Maybe he drives a truck. So here's what he said, Joe Biden. Cut one. We've made historic progress. We've made historic progress with the price of gas down $1.30 since the beginning of the summer. In some few states, it's below three bucks. It's, you know, in the low threes, most places, although there's some fires and some other problems that have to do with refining capacity in, uh, in the far west and the middle west. But we're going to deal with that as well. Uh, the average price, uh, $3.75. Uh, a month ago was uh, three eighty-six. Uh, and then a week ago is three uh, sixty-seven. So when the price goes up, how soon do we hear about the Putin price hike? Oh, you're right. Right, you're right. He's going to here. We go yeah, again. Blame Putin. You know, I'm sitting here thinking as I'm listening to that soundbite, thinking about crime, how crime has gotten worse since he's taken taken office. Uh, look at the border. The border. We, we're reporting on the numbers yes. of people on the on the terrorist watch list that are getting through. Close to eighty people this year. Where when Donald Trump was in office, one of the years it was zero. One of the years it was like one. You know, this is and these are the ones that we know of. Think about inflation. We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving. A turkey, maybe a dollar, dollar fifteen a pound back in the day when Donald Trump was in office. Now a turkey is going to cost you five dollars a pound. So if you're feeding a huge family on Thanksgiving, it's going to cost you more than a hundred dollars just to buy your turkey. Uh, parents can't afford that. Families can't afford that, especially when you're also paying higher heating bills and electricity is going up. We're all making choices. Even if you, even if you have a lot of money in the bank and you've been a good saver and you're most of the baby boomers, we did a story yesterday on how baby boomers are, are saving a lot of money. And at least one child is being paid for by the parents, um, with, uh, you know, with these younger kids who are being spoiled by the parents. But even if you have, if even if you're one of these parents, you're still making choices. You can't just spend and spend and spend. Look at the interest rates. Why would you sell your house, Brian? If you bought a house uh, a few years ago, <laughs> at three percent, two point six percent. I think that was one of the lows under Donald Trump. Why would you sell it and buy another house for more than six percent? You wouldn't. So the housing market is going to be affected. It's about to be frozen. Unemployment, absolutely. 
These are all the things. The Afghanistan withdrawal, don't forget that. When you go to the polls in about 50 days or 45 days, do not forget that. The Afghanistan withdrawal and all of the innocent people that were left over there. Story in the New York Times today, uh, Politico, excuse me, about the polls. They really feel as though they got to get this one right because mm-hmm. the polls were wrong in 2016. They were wrong in 2020 in many cases. And now today between the Siena poll, uh, between the Monmouth poll, uh, between the morning console poll and now 538, they're all looking at their science and trying to figure out if they can get it right. The problem is, how do you get in touch with people? And the other thing is the whole Trump supporter thing. They will not tell anyone who they're supporting. Mm-hmm. So Republicans, very rare when they'll admit it, and this, let alone you're a Trump fan. And now the president comes up and says, ultra MAGA extremist. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, I'm definitely not answering mm-hmm. honestly. It makes you wonder, why do people go out of their way to say this red wave's been stopped? I don't understand why it's been stopped, possibly because of abortion. But that was more June, July Mm -hmm. than it is in August, September, don't you think? I think a lot of people don't want to talk about who they're voting for. And we saw that with President Trump, because if you I think a lot of people feel like if you are in favor of Donald Trump or even just his policies, then you're many people are scared to to say that to other people. They're scared of retaliation or retribution at work or whatever it is in their neighborhood or in their classrooms. And we had Rachel Compass Duffy go up to um, the Bronx, to that tent city, and she interviewed all these people. And she said half the people she interviewed didn't want to be on TV because they said, if I am and I'm against these illegal immigrants coming into our community, then they're going to everyone's going to think I'm racist. Why we I mean, he acts like he's this some great innovation. We're going to build tents in the Bronx. Good luck with that. Did you see these? Yeah, tents? yeah, yeah. You were what right. Do you do it looks like something at war. Like yeah. When you go to war, you build a tent. Honey, I got a cot. And then you get up in the morning and go, can I get out of bed? Sure. And then where am I going to go? And where do you go? Where do you put Just all your until belongings? Until it gets, gets cold. Right. I know. You said, where do they go to the bathroom? Where yeah. do they put their belongings? What do they do all day? They don't have jobs. Where, right. where are they, what are they supposed to do all day? I have no idea. Maybe read your book. Lie on the... Right. Is there a Spanish adaption <laughs> uh, to I this? knew you were going to say that. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. A man. knockoff. China will probably knock it off in Spanish, and you'll end up spending your whole entire day in litigation. <laughs> do you think that'll happen? How do you say, I'm so glad you were born in Spanish? Slowly, because I don't understand it. Because, as you know, I took German. Celebrating who you are. So, Ainsley, tell me about this book. First, you've written other children's books before. What made you think this is the right time for this? Well, so my mom had a stroke about four years ago, and my first two children's books were about my dad and his sayings. So I really, you know, as you get older, you feel really guilty about the things that you've done as a teenager. Or, like, my dad... We were scared of him, so we didn't really <laughs> argue with my dad. With my mom, she was like our go-to. She was the one that just took it all because she was so nice. And, um, you know, we would just – I don't know. We just kind of gave her a hard time. I didn't understand why – like she was late picking me up sometimes. I give her a hard time. When I had a project that was due next week, I wanted her to take me to Walmart the day I got the project and finish the project that night. And she would – just getting home from work, teaching 20-some-odd kids – Raising three kids, food on the table when my dad got home. We all ate dinner as a family, and I'm, like, begging her to take me to Walmart and mad at her if she doesn't. So, I mean, she was exhausted, and I don't know how she did it. And now that I'm a mom and I'm working and I'm a single mom, I realize, like, how did she do this? I mean, I order Uber Eats at night because most of the time, sometimes I cook, but I can't do it every night. I just can't. I don't know how she did it. So this was just something that my mom always said to us growing up. I'm so glad you were born. And I just wanted to say thank you to my mom. After her stroke, you know, our our time with her is so precious. She doesn't really have a voice. She can't really talk. And she was a school teacher, and her favorite thing to do was talk. I mean, if you were on the phone with her, Brian, 
and you asked her about her parents and her childhood, oh my gosh, you'd, you'd you get, get the off the phone. Thing. Yeah, you get the whole thing and it'd be hours later. So she was a talker and now God has taken away her voice and she's just struggled so much with dialysis and kidney disease and di- diabetes and now the stroke. So I wanted my mom's voice heard and I wanted it to be heard around the world because she loves children so much. Mm-hmm. And she taught in um, a beautiful school, Anna Boy Child Development Center, and we used to go there all the time. I would play in her with all of her toys and everything that she had at school. She just changed so many people's lives, and that's what this book is about. Celebrate your children. They will change lives. We want to have a party for them every single day and let them know we are glad they were born. And if you look at the illustrations... Children of all races, children of all sizes, some have uh, different debilitations, and these are this is what heaven's going to look like. All of God's children, they are all made by him. And so it's celebrating all the children around us, all the people that are contributing to this world, and um, letting the kids, just reminding the kids that we're glad they were born, and I hope they're glad that they were born. Now, there's two things, there's no doubt about it. You, between the Bible study and this, you're definitely getting into heaven. I mean, don't <laughs> you think? I, I think... Anyone can get into heaven if you, according to the Bible, right. anyone will get into heaven if you believe in your heart and your mind and your soul that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Right. And if you declare that, you know, we all make mistakes. We're all, I mean, why do you think I go to church? I don't go because I, I go because I want to be a better person and I need to ask for forgiveness because, you know, I have a tendency, I, I like, we all do. We're all sinners. And so I know right. you're going to heaven if you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you try to live that out. When you can I just correct you on one thing? Sure. When you said we're all sinners, you say could you say present company excluded? <laughs> I mean, is it possible? The only person <laughs> who was on this earth without sin was Jesus, Brian. And? No. No. Just Jesus. I'm going to see if I can convince her. Uh, listen, Didn't Donald Trump say, I don't ask for forgiveness because there's nothing I've done to right. ask forgiveness and the one thing like, Do you ever ask, uh, you, you say you're religious, like, do you ever ask God for help? He goes, no, I got it. You know, he's like, <laughs> I, I can figure it all out. No. Uh, hey, listen, the name of the book is I'm So Glad You Were Born. Uh, I have contracted Ainsley for two segments. And in the in the interim, I'm going to come convince her that I'm playing the perfect game. And I deserve to be in the same conversation as Jesus. Back in a moment. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So, uh, so Ainsley Earhart's here. Her book's out today. It's Tuesday. I'm so glad you were born. Uh, the illustrations are brilliant uh, and talks about the birth of your daughter and how it really relates to everybody else around the country. Thank Ainsley, you. we're uh, – so I, you're going to the same place I went to. Yeah. In Ponte yeah. Vedra off mm-hmm. A1A. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful theater. Sadly, it's the last one Bob Saget performed at. So people in that. the area, and I don't think it's going to get hit by the hurricane. It looks like that's more the Tampa area. Mm-hmm. I think it'll just be a little bit rainy mm-hmm. because I was on with uh, W. Supposed to be on with WOKV this morning. But mm-hmm. having said that, what day is it going to be? And where do we where do we find out? So how to if see you it? go to Ainsley E, since most people don't know how to spell Earhart, we did Ainsley E. dot com, and you can find out where we're going to be and. Um, you can see if there's still space. I know we're going to be in Charleston, South Carolina on Friday and Sunday, Ponte Vedra. There's still some tickets uh, the last time I checked for Ponte Vedra. If you want to go, Sean Hannity is going to be on stage with me. He's going to interview me, and you get a signed uh, autographed copy of the book. And Sean's going to do – how's he going to do his show? He'll uh, – no, this is Sunday. 
Oh, he Sunday. He have a show. Yeah. So he'll interview me. He'll talk to the audience. We'll both take questions. Um, we did it last weekend in, in Salt Lake City, and it was so much fun. And we just had a really converse, a really uh, easy, like, low-key conversation with the crowd, mm-hmm. which is always fun because you get to meet the people who not only watch us every day, but... Like, we're all a family. Like we really had, like, a family conversation about politics. So is it just these two weeks, or are there going to be other events coming um, up? We haven't gotten that far going forward. We just wanted to, you know, get things on the air. And we've been so busy because I'm on all the Fox shows and talking about this book and then doing the two weekends. And then from there, we'll, we'll kind of see where we are and regroup. And what else are you going to be doing on Fox? Um, I will do. Okay, so you're today, Sean Hannity show tonight. Tomorrow, I'm doing Outnumbered and Jesse Waters show at 4.30. Thursday, Stuart Varney show, and I will be in the studio with you working on the Saturday show. One Nation? Yeah, we'll do One Nation on Saturday. Friday, I leave for Charleston right after the show and get to meet the audience down there. And those are my people. You know, my sister lives in Charleston, and I grew up in South Carolina, so that'll be fun. And then um, flying down to Florida after your show, and then... um, I will be in Ponte Vedra on Sunday. That's a one busy schedule. It's a busy schedule. Could you ever do that every day? Could you imagine being a reporter, flying around the country, going from we story to We used to do it, didn't we? Remember when yeah. we first started in the in the profession and first started at Fox? That was my life. I mean, I just did overnights, worked for Sean Hannity's show, flying all over the country for him as a correspondent. And then I'd fill in on the weekends on Fox and Friends. Right. So it was constantly like that. But I loved it. You know, I was single, didn't have kids. I was just... Living the life. Now, did you mind that I was pushing back against you and I was trying to keep you off the air? Did you ever find out about that? You never did that. You've always been so nice to me and so welcoming. To your face. But behind the scenes, <laughs> I was really making your life miserable. See, this is why you need Jesus. This, this, you need a true. lot of forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Did you decide to amend that or no? Is no, it just, we're not amending that. I'm not, sorry. I, I, isn't, that, isn't that blasphemy if you try to change the Bible? Alice, could you look that up? Could you Google that? We could do that. Um, that would be that would be everyone out different. there. Pray for Brian Kilmeade. Absolutely, that's all I ask. Um, so we have all the events. We have this coming up. Yeah. When you uh, have you noticed when it comes to kids, you get a whole new friend group. Yeah. So you get yes. to meet so many other people because your kids are the same age. Yeah. You go to the same school. Yeah. You told so, me to put Hayden into soccer so I can meet all those moms. You, yeah. Well, that's not the reason why I said, <laughs> I, you said, how am I going to do it? I said, you're going to meet moms. going to help you commute, not to meet moms, but for her, I just it's think all, she's, Yeah, it's not about Hayden, Brian. It's about me meeting moms. I mean, it's unbelievable that you just took it like that. You know, it's funny. I actually love Hayden's school as much as she does, if not more. All the moms get together all the time. Tonight's curriculum night at the school. So I'm going there in between. Um, this show, I have another show, I have some podcasts this afternoon and then I'll go to curriculum night. What is that? It's like where you learn the curriculum of school. I That's guess. good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's valuable. Oh now, yeah. They, they're very honest with us, but they tell you, they're not looking for uh-huh. input. Is that correct? She goes to a Christian school. Right. Yeah. If you went to, is, is going to the public school an option? So people listen around the country, uh, some of the public schools in New York are pretty rough. Some are great, but not in my area. I mean, there are certain ones. There's PS, like there's one down in Battery Park that's supposed to be really good. There's one on the west side that's supposed to be good. PS6 on the east side is supposed to be good. But um, I don't, I'm not zoned for those, and so I don't really have a choice. To me, if, if we wanted to straighten out our school system, it's real clear. Let's say it's – School choice? 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, if PS6 or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is is doing things that are not okay with the parents in the area, you take that money, you leave it. They can't afford to lose a lot of students because they lose the financing, the payment increases on their teachers and superintendents. So they will be more apt to listen mm-hmm. if we are moving in the right direction. Arizona did it. Yeah, and, you know, parents are moving all around the country or different areas. Like, I remember when we moved into Columbia, South Carolina, we found the best school district, and that's where my parents wanted to buy a house. But to have school choice would be awesome. You can live close to your grandparents and go to a different district. I'm so glad you were born celebrating who you are. Available at Ainsley E. Yep, AinsleyE.com. Buy it for your kids, your grandkids. Thanks, everyone. Love y'all. I'll see you at One Nation on Saturday. Yes, sir. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I'm not surprised from Bernie Sanders. I never did think Bernie would ever be. He's never been for any permitting reforms whatsoever. And he's not been for an energy policy that works for America. And that means all in. You have to have fossil. You have to be strong with your fossil. You have to be energy independent if you want to be secured and if you want to be the superpower of the world. We can walk and chew gum. We can invest in the technology for the future, making sure we have the energy we need today. So I never did think I'd have Bernie and some of the extreme far left. Uh, that is uh, Senator Joe Manchin wondering why Republicans aren't getting on board with, he says, is his fossil fuel addendum to build back better. He says, I need Republican votes. I'm going to lose some Democratic votes. But he lost about 70 Democrats in the House because no one ever checked with them. And he says it's going to ease permitting when it comes to drilling on the surface. Uh, okay, but it doesn't go far enough, uh, many other people say, like uh, Senator Capito, also from West Virginia. Joining us now, Senator John Cornyn. Senator, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Good to be with you. Hey, first off, uh, on the business, order of business, Joe Manchin's deal was he'd get some fossil fuel permits and be able to extend a pipeline uh, uh, for the people of West Virginia. Are you going to vote for this? I am not. I'm not. But Joe, Joe basically uh, has got two problems. One, he identified in the clip you played that uh, the, the progressives on the left who don't believe in fossil fuels and think that we're going to transition immediately to uh, wind turbines and, and solar panels, they're not going to vote for it. And Republicans who felt betrayed by Joe's um, uh, so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which is not going to reduce inflation, which raised taxes, and which uh, basically hired 87,000 new IRS agents. Uh, so Joe managed to do something that uh, I didn't think anybody could do, and that's to consolidate uh, Republicans and Democrats against his uh, legislation. Senator, uh, he's so experienced. Uh, he's been so stalwart in making sure we didn't add pack the court. We didn't add two states to the union uh, that we didn't get that massive build back better new green deal. What made him give here without anything in return guaranteed except for Senator Schumer's word? Well, this is what happens when you make secret deals that uh, nobody else else is brought in on. Uh, nobody else is invested in the success of it. Now, look, I hope what happens, Brian, is once this goes down, that the bill Senator Capito has uh, has released and Bill and Joe Manchin can get together and come up with a bipartisan compromise that'll get 30 Republicans and 30 Democrats. If Joe Biden won't sign that, well, uh, maybe he will after. 
January if we're, we have majorities in both houses. Um, so I don't think we need to give up on this, but uh, Joe Manchin made a bad deal, and uh, I think he's going to find out uh, real quick. But, but I, I understand bad deals. What about naive deals? What about, I mean, why would he, I just look at a guy so experienced, he's in his 70s, he's been doing this now for 12 years, he knows what's at stake, he just pushed back against all the derision he felt from Democrats, he dealt with you guys on a regular basis, it just doesn't seem street smart, Senator, I thought he was at very least street smart, Washington street smart. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, he, Joe Joe has been been a uh, an ally on a lot of issues that you detailed, but uh, he trusted Chuck Schumer, and uh, Chuck can't deliver. And I think that was his mistake. When we look at uh, what's going on right now in Texas, uh, Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis uh, going to war with a lot of mayors, and certainly with this White House when it comes to illegal immigrants. Give us an idea of what's happening at the border. And uh, and why I believe Governor Abbott had no choice. And now finally we're talking about this issue. But you've always had this sensibility about you, Senator, as conservative as you are. You understand that there's two points of view. Do you agree with what Governor Abbott's doing? And has it accomplished the goal needed? I do agree with what Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis are doing, and Governor Ducey in, in Arizona. Uh, we had not gotten any kind of response uh, by the administration or to the, 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 the open borders policies and the catastrophe that that's, uh, that's created, not just to border communities, but to the entire country. You think about the 108,000 Americans that died of uh, drug overdoses. Almost all of those have come across the border, and 71,000 of those were synthetic opioids, fentanyl overdoses, most of all of which comes from uh, the precursors, come from China through Mexico into the United States. What I can't understand, Brian, is we lost 3,000 Americans on 9-11-2001, and we declared a war. Um, now you lose 108,000 Americans, and the the Biden administration doesn't even acknowledge it or do anything to stop it. So I think that Governor DeSantis, Governor Abbott, Governor Ducey did a smart thing, which is to change the conversation. Now they're talking about it in New York. Now they're talking about it in Chicago and D.C. Maybe, just maybe, they can get President Biden's attention. We'll have to see. I want you to hear what Joe Manchin said about this. Cut 14. We don't have a good immigration policy. We don't have a, a secured border. Let's work on that together. We had a 2013 piece of legislation that right. was the greatest bipartisan piece we ever had, Neil. Couldn't get it passed in the Republican House. So let's go back and try some of that. Let's look yeah. at the things that's really wrong with this country and quit saying, well, if we fix that, then maybe the Democrats and Republicans will get credit for it. I don't want people to get credit. I yeah. want the country to get credit. Let's be an American. How close are we to having legitimate discussions on immigration reform? Well, I've been talking off and on to Senator Durbin and Senator Padilla, Senator Tillis, Senator Sinema, and others to see if there is any common ground. And what I've had to tell them is, look, until you and I work together to change the dynamics at the border, it's not possible for us to have a conversation about doing other things that perhaps we would like to do on a bipartisan basis. I think legal immigration has been one of the secrets to America's success. We still naturalize about a million people a year, and that new energy and the ingenuity and the ambition of those legal immigrants has been part of what's fueled our prosperity 
for the entire history, uh, history of our country. But what's happening now is a hodgepodge of everything from asylum seekers to criminals uh, to uh, drug runners to, you know, economic migrants. And that's what happens when you don't control the border. So uh, we know what to do. We actually, I've introduced a bill, you and I have talked about it before, a bipartisan border solutions act with Senator Sinema, Democrat from Arizona, Tony Gonzalez, a Republican from the largest border district in the country, and Henry Cuellar, a Democrat from Laredo, Texas. And we haven't gotten any indication of any interest by the majority leader, by Senator Durbin, who's chairman of the Judiciary Committee, or the White House. They simply don't care. Uh, one night right now, the, according to the latest poll, and we know things change rapidly, crime is the number one issue. Senator Cornyn, in Texas, you have uh, big and small cities, uh, from the rising city in Austin to the small city of El Paso. How often does crime come up in your conversation? All the time. If you talk to the mayor of uh, Dallas, for example, Dallas is an example of what a big city can do if, if the leaders are committed to reducing crime. And uh, their numbers look very good. But you go to places like Chicago, where routinely dozens of people are killed every weekend in battles between gangs. What people need to understand, Brian, is that those drugs that I talked about a moment ago are distributed by gangs in towns and cities all across the country who regularly fight uh, for territory and market share and are responsible for much of the gun violence that occurs on a regular basis in America. That is the connection, connecting the dots to what's happening at the border, and that's what this administration simply does not seem to get. What I, what I don't understand is, uh, Senator McConnell, I know he's laid back by nature, so are you, uh, but if you guys, it's such a major difference for the country and for you to be in the majority as opposed to minority. It seems like you guys aren't as determined to get back, almost as bystanders, to get back the Senate. For example, it looks like Mitch McConnell's group uh, PAC has pulled out of uh, Blake Masters, supporting Blake Masters in Arizona. I have no idea why Senator Kelly, with a great resume, has done almost nothing in that state. Uh, They don't seem to be – I think they're pouring money to help J.D. Vance. Uh, But so far there's no sign they're going to help Don Bulldog, who seems to be in a very competitive race in New Hampshire against a very weak senator. Why is that? Are you guys just biding your time because it's most likely going to flip in two years anyway? Um, no, there's a lot, I guess it's like a duck on the pond. You know, the surface may look calm, but we're paddling as fast as we can underneath. Uh, the fact of the matter is I just texted uh, each of those candidates you mentioned and sent them uh, money that I've been raising personally out of something called the Corn and Victory Fund. We've raised about $11 million in hard dollars for individual candidates, including these nominees, uh, through uh, the, the last two years. So uh, there's a lot going on. I think, you know, the, the, the problem is there's so many different races that are competitive, so yeah. many of them that are within uh, the margin of error that it's hard to figure out where you know, each additional dollar can go, which would have the better impact. But uh, right now, the real clear politics uh, average of public polls shows us uh, winning a net of two seats in Nevada and Georgia and not losing any of the seats we have. That would be a good outcome, in my view. But uh, there is a lot going on, but maybe uh, it's just not as obvious uh, as it might be. I know you keep our audience informed. Senator John Cornyn, always great. Thanks so much, sir. Thanks, Brian. You got it. We go back. We do a simulcast on FBN with Stuart Varney. You listen to Brian Kilmeade.
Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. In a little while, we're going to go on with Stuart Varney. In fact, in a matter of moments, um, we are going to be talking about crime and also talking about the midterms, exactly what you've been talking about uh, at home and maybe yelling at the screen. I just look at the top issues from the economy to crime. Uh, to, of course, what's happening at the border. I just don't see how Republicans don't need a narrative. Everyone knows where they stand. The results have been so terrible because the Democrats have had a chance to implement what they wanted to do. I don't see any way for them to have success in the midterms, but it's still September. Let's listen. There he is. Brian, hold on a second. Just moments ago, we showed our viewers brutal video from a New York City subway attack. I'm not going to run it again, but our audience did see it, and I know you've seen it. And yet, the White House was asked if President Biden thinks our big cities are safe. Just watch the response here. Roll it. I think America's big cities are safe. It is not a yes or no question. It is very much a question of... What has he done? What matters is that we have the funding and we have done the work, put the policy forward uh, to make sure that these cities, whether it's big or small, have what they need to protect their community. All over the country, we're seeing violent crime and the White House will not answer to it. Brian, it's yours. Uh, I'm not convinced the press secretary actually sits in the meetings or even talks to the president. I know from her perspective what her answer was totally inadequate and not accurate. So what you have to do is... You know, with a, with a country of 330 million people, you can't speak for every people and every city and every mayor. Would you say it could always be safer? I always want to make sure if we're doing everything possible. What they keep pointing to is saying we are funding uh, police forces. No, you're not. What you did in the rescue package is you gave states money and you said go put it into the police force. And some said, no, I'm not doing that. For example, in Minneapolis, they didn't put a dime into the police force. In, in New York, they cut a billion out of the budget. And then what happened is when that happened and they're not uh, prosecuting any people for crime, they're taking their badges and putting it down and saying, I'm retiring early, I'm quitting, period, or I, I will not go to the academy and do this. So we have a combination of weak DAs. We have le- state legislatures, mostly Democratic in a lot, a lot of these cities, that are saying, I'm not going to prosecute crime. And then you have cops go, I don't need this job. It's not, it's not a great job. I can do better in the private sector. It's not appreciated and it's dangerous. Her answer is very simple. Could always be safe from disappointing what's happening. Contrast that with this. When the riots started happening in Portland and Seattle, you know what President Trump did? President Trump would send federal troops. Guess what? Then he became the focal point, the pushback. The federal government doesn't belong here. Hey, guys, you want the federal troops to the National Guard to go into Chicago and start separating the gang members and start providing some security to the streets? How dare you, Republican president, get involved in a Democratic city? So as this president pulls back, uh, this president, pulled, the prior president pulls back and says, I can't get in there legislatively, constitutionally. This president threw up his hands and said, the problem is the police. And you could do that by not saying anything different. Every time there's an issue, he always teams to side with the criminal and because he's afraid to side anywhere else. He brought this on himself. There's just got to be a political response to the crime that we're seeing in New York and other big cities. I'm waiting for that political response. Right. I've got a new... This may be a positive for Republicans, Brian. It's a new poll, and it shows Republicans hold a 21-point lead in battleground districts, at least some battleground districts. That's an ABC News, a Washington Post poll. I wasn't expecting that, Brian. That's quite a turnaround. Well, look at the top five issues. you got crime... You have the 
the inflation, you have generally, generally the economy, and then you have maybe abortion if that comes up. And, of course, the border. Four of the five are firmly in the Republicans' camp. A lot of them was at a default because the Democrats' policies are so bad for some secret agenda. We don't know anything about this green agenda that technology is not ready for that is just caving in this economy and this country. The Fed raises rates, and you know this better than anybody, but we didn't curtail spending. So the bottom line is all hell is breaking loose of the economy. That doesn't surprise me. What does surprise me in that poll is that Fetterman, they say, has between a 7 and 10-point lead on Dr. Oz. I don't get that. If you want to see Bernie Sanders 20 years younger, it is Fetterman, but believe me, actually less healthy than an 80-year-old Bernie Sanders. So I don't understand how the people of Pennsylvania are still giving him the edge. I'm very curious to see how, I'm very curious to see how Herschel has surged past, but not much yeah. past, or Warnock. Uh, Rubio's not going to have an easy time in Florida, but it'll probably prevail. Uh, J.D. Vance have a harder than thought would be time with, uh, with Ryan. But for the most part, the Senate's going to be forward out matchup to matchup. But I think as far as the country goes, Republicans are winning by default. We've seen the Democratic programs. We, have, we know the math. It's work. not working. That's true. They don't work. Brian, thanks as always. I know we'll see you again soon. Good luck on your radio show. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Stuart. Uh, so we were able to share some audiences uh, with Stuart Varney, the number one show on FBN, along with Larry Kudlow, who we always appreciate when he comes on our show, too. Uh, we go, uh, go on his. Just a quick reminder. I'm going to have a chance to go on stage and talk about my book that comes out in paperback and everything else. The President and Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the Battle to Save America's Soul. If you want to talk about race in America with context, that's how to do it. Also, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, for those Texas fans and what Texas means to this country. Still the most patriotic state in the union, I'd say bar none. And to think they were their own country is amazing. And then Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans, and George Washington's Secret Six. All different points in our our, our time that so-called average everyday people did extraordinary things to put the country where it is today. And I talk about that and everything else going on at Fox and in the News, live on stage. It is a blast. Um, oh, we're just in Albany, but I'm going to be in Brandon, Mississippi on Saturday, November 12th. On the 13th, be with our KRMG listeners in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I have events in between, one in Oklahoma City. I know I'm going to have an event up in Rochester, New York, which is going to be fantastic. That's where Frederick Douglass spent the bulk of his free life in Rochester, and they did take a statue down. I talked to the sheriff there. One of the reasons they took it down during all these riots, just a bunch of drunken college kids. They don't think they mean anything by it. But if you take Frederick Douglass's statue down, if you talk about race in America, you really are confused about our history. But if you go to BrianKilme.com and get tickets, uh, you'll be uh, sure to see me on stage. Also, you have a chance to be for the show. I'll be there early for the VIP section. And uh, one of these events, including December 2nd in Newark, New Jersey, WABC listeners hope to see everybody out there. Uh, we'll have uh, other Fox and Fox News all-stars join us on stage just at BrianKilme.com. Keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan or around the country, heard around the world, especially in the Ukraine and Iran, where there's uprisings everywhere. And Elon Musk, uh, when there's trouble, puts his Starlink Internet system overneath that area, over the area, so these horrible governments uh, cannot be in total control of the communication from their people. And it's just so encouraging to see that uh, Vladimir Putin could possibly be stopped right now uh, to a degree in which he's feeling this humility. On the battlefield, he's got about 80,000 dead. He's had about uh, over a dozen generals killed. And then he decides to offer 300, tell 300,000 people they're being called up. And the answer is hell no. They're actually running for the border, running for the border. The Russians running away from a fight. Next is Senator Roger Marshall and uh, Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour. Before we get to Senator Marshall, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman because that's where they see his vulnerability. Because he wants to empty all the prisons. It's not something that's nuanced or takes a a master's or a Ph.D. in marketing. Crime emerges as the lead issue in the midterms. Have you seen some of the Ring Doorbell video, some of the surveillance video? It is a major issue because it affects everybody. I don't care if you're a celebrity on the Washington Commanders or Bill Walton, uh, a legendary uh, NBA star. You are feeling the crime in our country. Number two. We don't have a good immigration policy. We don't have a, a secured border. Let's work on that together. No kidding, Joe Manchin. Border wars. Tell the truth, Mayor Adams. It's not Greg Abbott who's overflowing uh, the shelters in your city. It is President Biden. The numbers don't lie. Number one. The gas price stuff he's saying is nonsense. This is not the kind of thing where you can fool people. You know, it's not some abstruse statistic where people can't see for themselves what's going on. And it doesn't help Biden or the Democrats for him to spout this nonsense that people can see is not true. Disturbing. That's how I see the economy as the stock market goes into bear territory and Biden again plays the blame game. As gas prices go up, the Dow goes down and the Dems policies inflict pain. We'll see how it all affects you. And get this, the student loan forgiveness plan will cost us $400 billion. Nice. Senator Marshall, were you shocked by that number? Brian, good morning. It's been too long. No, I wasn't shocked at all. Um, This is part of this president's inflationary spending policies. That's why we need to end this COVID emergency. He's using that as an excuse to forgive student loans. Uh, I knew it was going to be a big number. Uh, We've seen some estimates between $400 billion and and a trillion dollars. I still think it's a low number. That's a low number. Uh, Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. It's also a controversial number. It affects about 20 million people. If he actually wanted to do something that would be effective, he's already frozen loan payments for over a year and a half. So he's helped. You could say he's helped those people, just like some people had uh, rent forgiveness for a while. But sooner or later, you have to pay rent again because landlords got to get paid. If he wanted to cut the rate a little bit, because some of these rates are at 7 8% when the prime rate was at 2%. That is almost predatory loans. If he wanted to do that and bring shed a light on that, that could have been something you got bipartisan support for, right? 
Bingo, Brian. Exactly. Let's fix the real problem here. The real problems are the inflationary cost of, of college, and then and then secondary is the, the the inflexibility of those rules. We could set easily set new guardrails and allow students and now employees, hopefully out there, to to renegotiate those rates, just like most of us can. Whether it's your mortgage, it could have easily been fixed. I think this is an insider job. Uh, that, that somebody's benefiting from it. And I'm not sure who it is, but I'm, I'm going to imagine it's not uh, M- Main Street, Kansas. So they're trying to say this is an emergency. That's why he has the right to forgive these loans between ten and 20000 Fine. But the problem is, last Sunday, he told us the pandemic is over. Also, he told us, is arguing that Title 42 should go away at the border because the pandemic is over. But when it comes to these student loans, he says it's an emergency. For these people to be fired from the military because of COVID-19 vaccines that don't work on these variants and barely work on the main disease itself, it's time to get rid of these na- this national state of emergency. That's, what, that's the resolution you have, right? You, you bet, Brian. And we're going to try to get that to the floor yet this week before everybody goes home and put, get the Democrats on the record. But as you point out, President Biden is a hypocrite. He's talking through both sides of his mouth. And by the way, he doesn't have the mental aptitude to connect the dots. So he says one thing that affects one policy. He doesn't see how it's impacting the other. But he's using these emergency policies to justify his spending and then to enforce his mask mandates, his vaccine mandates, and in, as well as enforce the forgiveness of student loans. Uh, you mentioned the rent. All these things, he's using these emergency powers to usurp, uh, usurp all, all the powers from the people. He thinks he's a king out there sometimes and, and that we should bow to him. But he's taken away our powers, and that's why November's so election. We have to end this nonsense. Any Democrats agree with you? I think they will. I, I think that when we get this to the floor, um, we, we had a similar vote back about six months ago. We had some Democrats cross over and vote with us. We won that. But Nancy Pelosi won't take up the, the legislation over there, which is why we need to flip the House. We would have ended this emergency power six months ago if we had Republican control of the House. True. Uh, that could be happening soon. Uh, Senator Marshall, where do you stand on how the Senate feels? I know what you want to see happen, but with uh, with uh, General Balduck in New Hampshire, with uh, with Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, with J.D. Vance in Ohio, with Joe O'Day in Colorado, even Senator Rubio, they're all in extremely tough races. Where do you stand? What, What can you do? Brian, I'm pumped. I'm so, so pumped. We've done over 100 town halls. And typically, I feel the vibe of America about two or three weeks before the polling comes out. And I'm telling you, Joe Biden peaked about three weeks ago, and you're seeing the polls show that. Uh, we've had our crowds were four to five times bigger than they've ever been. The fever pitch, pitch has never been as, been as loud. People were upset when Biden came out with his 87,000 armed IRS agents, as well as this loan forgiveness. So as long as Joe Biden's out there, as long as they don't put him back in the basement, he's going to fire at my base. Our base is going to get out there and vote. I feel really, really good. Look, uh, the generic ballots, if you go back Two years ago, Republicans never got within a minus four, minus six on the generic ballots. And now we're in that plus range right now. If it's close, we're going to win. We've got great candidates. Marco's in great shape down in Florida. Who could vote against Herschel Walker? If you meet Herschel Walker one time, you could not vote against him. Pennsylvania, who's going to vote with the guy with the hoodie? Ron Johnson leading the polls in Wisconsin for the first time ever. 
so I think there's a huge move forward. And, you know, you know, we're going to end up with, I hope, 53 Republican senators. So I'm very optimistic. Uh, you sound it. Uh, so what's going on right now with this spending on green energy? We know in California they're going to not only stop people from buying gas cars, they're also going to stop gas furnaces and gas heaters. That's coming up in 2040. This as they have rolling blackouts and are telling people to shut their air conditioning off. And I'm soon they're going to be telling them to shut their heat off. To me, it's emblematic of how we are not ready with the with the, this technology. Victor Davis Hanson thinks this whole big push of spending with rate uh, rate increases is a is a plan. Cut twelve. Prices of gas are not going down. I just paid seven dollars a gallon for diesel fuel yesterday in California. Here, and when you look abroad, and we, once we lost deterrence in Afghanistan, it's very hard to reclaim and. Uh, that empowered Russia. It's going to empower China and Iran. So these consequences were ideological. They weren't due to a war or a plague. He did it deliberately. And what's ironic is we were waiting for the Republicans to grasp that. And now they're nationalizing this election, thank God. 468-some seats are going to ask these candidates, you voted for the border, you voted for the crime, you voted for the energy, you voted for the inflation, you voted for the recession. Are you still for that or not? I want to know, yes or no. Do you believe it's deliberately? Do you, do you think that they wanted this result? So they don't care about the inflation, they don't care about the interest rates, they don't care about the broken border, they don't care about the humiliation in Afghanistan, or is it just bad policy? It's probably a little bit of both, Brian. I mean, certainly we have an incompetent decision maker. Uh, you, you look at what happened in Afghanistan. America saw that the emperor didn't have any clothes on. And now they're looking at his policies today and thinking, my gosh, you know, Marshall was right. He said two years ago that this president wants open borders, that he wants gas prices uh, to be 4 or $5 a gallon. The, operating an electric car doesn't come close to the cost of operating a gas car unless gasoline is probably closer to that $5 gallon of range. So I do think he wanted open borders. I do think that he wanted gas prices to come up. And, and everything else, Katie barred the doors. He didn't care about as long as he could introduce this radical socialist agenda uh, I think it's very obvious. You look at what Joe Manchin is trying to pull off tonight, the, uh, the Mountaineer kickback with legislation on his CR that would actually be, have caused more inflation uh, for energy. Energy drives a third of inflation, and what his, his West Virginia Mountaineer kickback does is give the federal government more control so they could choose the energy coming from Kansas through a transmission line, whether it's going to be wind and solar, versus nuclear, versus coal, versus uh, natural gas. And if I can just quickly tell you the story of Kansas, Kansas now has 50% of the electricity generated from wind. We're exporting most of that. But what's not fair is FERC is charging Kansans too much of the money that's co- it cost to transport it. So our electric rates have gone up significantly, and we're no longer reliable. We don't have affordable, reliable energy anymore Thanks to these green policies, we're paying a disproportionate share of the electricity that Chicago and St. Louis are what getting. Saying, so, Senator Marshall, right. slow down yeah. for me. Uh, what happened? So you've okay. committed to, for, to wind energy at the sacrifice of fossil fuels? And that was the direction Kansas did. So, so maybe 20 years ago, 3% of our electricity was driven by wind, and now it's over 50%. Thanks to all the government subsidies, it became profitable to put wind energy in and then decrease your coal and natural gas. 
So now, because of our reliance on wind energy, Kansas is facing brownouts. We're paying a disproportionate amount of the share of the money to transport that electricity out, so it's driving our costs up. So Kansas has done this, and it's, and it's impacting Kansans in a bad way. We need affordable, reliable, clean energies. We can do all of it, but when the, governor start, when the government starts picking which ones to do mm-hmm. and over-supplements, over-subsidizes, then you end up where Kansas is today. The Inflation Reduction Act, misnamed it's a green energy bill passed, thanks to Joe Manchin. He said, well, I got a deal for fossil fuels on easing permitting and allowing me to finish some pipelines. Now it turns out it had to be a separate paper because it has nothing to do, can't fit the reconciliation criteria. So he's offering this, loses Bernie Sanders, and can't believe he doesn't have Republicans. Cut four. I'm not surprised from Bernie Sanders. I never did think Bernie would ever be. He's never been for any permitting reforms whatsoever. And he's not been for an energy policy that works for America. And that means all in. You have to have fossil. You have to be strong with your fossil. You have to be energy independent if you want to be secured and if you want to be the superpower of the world. We can walk and chew gum. We can invest in the technology for the future, making sure we have the energy we need today. So I never did think I'd have Bernie and some of the extreme far left. But he doesn't have Republicans either. Why? Because this, this, uh, his legislation is horrible. It's inflationary. Like I was just talking about, it's going to give FERC the ability to choose whether the energy source should be from wind and solar versus nuclear or coal. So it actually will make things worse. This is absolutely the mountaineer kickback. So this allows Joe to get his pipeline from West Virginia to Virginia. So it's good for West Virginia, but it's horrible for the rest of the country. It gives the federal government too much power on transmission lines. What about permitting? Uh, Didn't he say it'll ease permitting, allow people to drill? I I, I disagree with that. I, I don't see how that it really addresses any of the major hurdles to the permitting. The major hurdles come from from the EPA, the NEPA rules, the waters of the U.S. It doesn't address them. But by the way, Senator Shelley Moore Capito, also from West Virginia, has a bill that actually does that. His, his bill is spitting in the wind, to be honest, but it, but it has such bad things in it as well. It doesn't address the problem, and it's inflationary. So you're not going to vote for it? <laughs> I'm a hell no. I, I don't think he's going to find – if he finds four or five Republicans to vote for it, uh, I'd be surprised. All right. Uh, you also want to designate the drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. Who's standing in your way on that? Well, it, it'll be Democrats because, again, we're going to try to get that on the floor to unanimous consent. Um, so someone's going to say Democrats going to have to come down and object to it. But just give me a second. You know, fentanyl poisoning, we're losing two or three hundred Americans every day from fentanyl poisoning due to our open border. The cartels, of course, are intimately involved with this. If we make the cartels terrorists then it's going to give our law enforcement prosecutors more teeth and allows, uh, say, the U.S. Treasury to freeze their financial assets. We're trying to put the finger in the dike. Um, so we'll see if the, if the Democrats will come on the floor and, and block our unanimous consent. A lot going on. Senator Roger Marshall, thanks so much. <laughs> you bet, Brian. There is a lot going on. Everybody get out and vote in November. Let's change this. All right. When we come back, I'll take your calls, and then Brett Barrow will join us and give us additional perspective. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. 
This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, some wages have gone up in some in, in some industries and, and maybe generally, uh, all the data indicate that, that those wage gains have been over more than overtaken by inflation. And the gas price stuff he's saying is nonsense. And people, this is not the kind of thing where you can fool people. You know, it's not some abstruse statistic where people can't see for themselves what's going on. They go to the gas pump, you know, every week or maybe more than that. And they can see what the prices are. And it doesn't help Biden or the Democrats for him to spout this nonsense that people can see is not true. And it also adds to the perception that he's not up to the job, which further drags his approval ratings down, which in turn drags his party down. So it's, it's, it's a bad way to govern and it's bad politics. And but he keeps, he keeps doing it. And what he keeps doing is the president's boasted yesterday about the shrinking gas prices. He goes, look at this. Look how low gas prices are. Some are on $3. Well, no, the average price is $3.72 a gallon, and it's gone up for six straight days. A month ago, it was three eighty-six. Okay, congratulations. A week ago, it was three sixty-seven. It's going in the wrong direction. We also know inflation's steady and high, oh, just under eight, uh, just under nine percent. We also know, on average, the average American has lost four thousand two hundred dollars worth of income. Even if you get a raise, it's not equaling what the money is worth. And just wait, they're going to say it is the gas companies, oil companies gouging. When we know it's refineries, what you won't rebuild. Evidently, there's refineries in the Bahamas. They were all set to come back online, and he stopped it. If you truly wanted to ease the pain on the American people, you you Virgin Islands, I should say, you reinvigorate that refinery. Stop vilifying gas station owners and oil executives. It doesn't work. It doesn't affect it. No one believes it. Soon, cue up the Putin price hike again. Right. When we come back, Brett Baer joins us. He gets set to host his show, a special report, and, of course, all our election coverage. Brian Kilman Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. We are getting crushed. We are on the defense over and over and over again. It's immigration today. It was CRT yesterday. It will be ESG. Look that up tomorrow. They consistently push us against the wall. We have no compelling alternative narrative. And that's on all of us. That is uh, Governor Gavin Newsom saying that Democrats are getting crushed. Okay, tell that to Joe Biden who says everything's going great. Uh, and they believe abortion's up there. And if you look at some of the polls... Uh, I, was, I was shocked to see the CBS poll has things trending against the Republicans. ABC poll has a different story. With me right now is Brett Baer. His book, To Rescue the Republic, now at our paperback, Ulysses S. Grant, The Fragile Union and the Crisis of 1876. Brett, welcome back. What do you think about what is Gavin Newsom up to saying that? Was he speaking the truth or does he have another agenda? No, he's running for president. If um if Biden doesn't. And he's clearly trying to be the alternative and probably trying to be the I told you so for the midterms. Uh, if, you know, it looks like Republicans are going to pull that out, um, I think he's going to be in the position of saying, I told you we could have done something differently. And uh, for the most part, are you shocked that he was spent the weekend in Texas on a California taxpayer dime? Uh, I don't know what his role was there, but that's what he was doing. Yeah. You know, he says he's trying to get businesses, but he's really trying to get attention. Uh, if Biden doesn't run, that's it. 
Were you uh, were you surprised that Joe Biden answered the way he did in 60 Minutes two weeks ago? That's his yeah. intent, but you never know. I was shocked by that. I think that's where he really is. And uh, I think more and more there are Democrats saying, if you look at every poll, that he should not run, which is really shocking. I don't know if you uh, saw that and have a chance to digest the latest poll that has crime, that really the top issue among voters. And then you're seeing all these anecdotal evidence, two lawmakers who voted to reimagine police in Illinois get carjacked within three hours of each other. You see a guy like, uh, you see a woman like Karen Bass who wants to be the next mayor of of California, of Los Angeles, sent out and say, I don't feel safe after she was robbed and her guns were taken. And then Bill Walton, the legendary basketball player, penned a letter to San Diego mayor. He said, I'm riding my bike. I get harassed all the time and chased by homeless men. It's up to the mayor to do something, and the police won't do anything. There's a huge frustration across all sections on crime. I think crime is going to be the underrated issue of the, of the midterms. And, um, and you can't undercount it. You can. It's really important, not just big cities, but around the world, how you feel. Uh, I, I understand, too. Uh, here's the president yesterday on who's to blame for the suddenly rising gas prices. It's a familiar refrain. Cut to. We haven't seen the lower prices reflected at the pump, though. <clears throat> Meanwhile, oil and gas companies are still making record profits, billions of dollars of profit. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump, bring down the prices you're charging in the pump to reflect the cost you pay for the product. Do it now. Do it now. Not a month from now. Do it now. What's wrong with him? Does he know that the, how doesn't it explain to him if he went to a meeting that it's about the refinery capacity and the refinery capacity hasn't changed and they don't set the price of oil that they're paying? It's at seventy six dollars. Yeah, listen, this is every time he explains it, it's something different. The other day he said, you know, there's a lot of places under three dollars. You know, the average, according to AAA, there's no state under three dollars. So every time he talks about gas in some way, it shows uh, some lack of knowledge about how it all works. And I think, you know, listen, we don't know what's going to happen as far as energy. We do know that Europe is going to feel the pinch in the next couple of weeks. We do know that the expectation is that oil and gas prices are going to go up in the next couple of weeks ahead of the election. How that affects people, how they feel, is really the biggest motivator for voting. And I think that's why you're seeing this kind of reanalysis. You know, there was all this Democrats are picking up um, speed in in the midterm race. I, I think that's all coming back to the center now. And and the advantage is the Republicans, and we'll see you know, whether they get it across the finish line or not. The most fascinating thing to happen in international relations in a long time has been what's going on in Russia. Not many people expect them to perform so uh, horribly on the battlefield. And then we find themselves now on the run against the Ukrainians. They have a 300,000-man call-up, and most of these people are heading towards the border or refusing to report. There were two people were fired on. One was shot at the recruiting centers uh, inside Russia. And there is really no reserves. These are people who never have served before. What do people tell you about what's going on in Russia, where this is heading, as Ukraine is, is on the march? 
I think the biggest thing is that there's this fear that that Putin's going to use a nuclear weapon. And the reason that fear is increasing is because he's back against the wall. And there's a real sense that the people inside Russia are going to either revolt or run away. And they're running away currently. The borders are packed. The airports are packed. And um, I, I think it's a fascinating story. Uh, the question of whether you know push comes to shove on standing off with Putin on nuclear weapons is really how the Ukraine war uh, either gets to a negotiating table or doesn't. Here's what Ian Bremer says. Uh, Ian Bremer says senior officials uh, noted that they were. They seems like Putin is telling them that he's ready to have negotiations with the Ukrainian president, and that this is his what he wants. He'll accept an outcome that includes recognition of Crimea as Russia, independent status for areas of the Donbas region, control over Kyrgyzstan to ensure water supply for Crimea. That that seems to be a non-starter for Zelensky, and I don't blame him. Who really feels like he says this thing ends at Crimea. No, I agree with you. And I think that, uh, you know, should they take Crimea, the game's over when I'm talking about Ukraine. The negotiation, though, is going to be how this ends. Otherwise, it goes on forever. And um, it's just the question of what Zelensky wants. Absolutely. So, Brett, your book's out on paperback now. Uh, what can we expect? I mean, the great success of To Rescue the Republic. Uh, what can we expect in the paperback? Did you add anything? You get a little extra. I wrote up a little extra chapter uh, since since that point. Uh, so you got that added bonus and um, additional people weighing in on the book, which is kind of cool. And I've got another book in the works, but I'm not ready to tell you about it right now. Right. But you, there is, in other words, you're working on it at this moment or you mean I around? Am, like at this moment. You are. So you're on location. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, uh, Brett. You know how it works. Who's um uh, who's going to be on the panel tonight? Have you named them? I have not. I'm going to fish for some more. Who's uh, out? Really who who do you not want to see on the panel tonight? You know, Britt's been on a lot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not on tonight. But we're going to have a great panel. All right, Brett Baer. Thanks so much. We'll see you, buddy. All right, call, pick it up to rescue the republic. Now out on paperback. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. We're going to find out if there's more to know. Real quick, on the economy, which I think is important, uh, I don't like when people say I'm making gains with this message or this is what's resonating. You know, same-sex marriage, schools, those are issues in curriculum that you see long-term. This is my vision. When you see people reacting to what's happening, and with the interesting thing with the Biden administration, they just try to deny the truth that people are living. Here's Stephen Moore, the esteemed economist, on what is really going on with gas prices in this country and why this administration, well, excuse me, this president doesn't admit it. Cut six. We've been having this big debate about whether we're going to have a soft landing or a crash landing. And given the news of the last couple of weeks, it's looking pretty ugly out there right now, Kevin. Um, it is true, by the way, gas prices are falling. But, Kevin, just about everything else in the consumer price index went up in price, everything from rental cars to buying new cars to food to utility bills. So people are feeling feeling the the, uh, pressure. Heritage Foundation says the average family has lost about $4,000 in purchasing power because of this high inflation. It's a curse. It is. When we come back, we'll find out if there's even more to know. And keep in mind, too, uh, One Nation coming up your way. I know it's only Tuesday, but get ready to set your uh, DVR. Uh, Put it on series. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
Miss a show? Have to tune out early? No problem. Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. But the issue here isn't necessarily of do we do that kind of welcoming work? Yes, we do. It's why are they not coordinating? If their issue is actually sending people here and they want to, you know, we have better services and everything, pick up the phone, call Governor Hochul, call the mayor's office. It's a, it's a, it's a, not a real argument they're using. They're just trying to create more division within Americans to actually sow seeds of hatred. Uh, I doubt it, uh, but that's the, their view. So that is uh, a little about uh, a little bit of what's going on in New York City. No one's sowing seeds of hatred. What we're trying to do is try to find a place for these people, thousands of which are busting through our border because the administration won't do, his, uh, won't do their job. It makes me so that's a big story in immigration, and, and they're building tents for 5,000 people. Well, the front page of the New York Post today tells the story. Hey, Eric, tell the truth. Yeah, you might have 14,000 extra people in this city, a city of 8 million. But the reason you have that, only 19 percent are from Texas. Do you know that 33 percent are from the Texas governor, I should say. 33 percent are from a Democratic mayor in uh, Texas. The rest are the president. The president has allowed these flights to come in in the middle of the night without reporting. They end up in New York City and ends up uh, in your shelters, overcrowding those shelters, which normally have homeless that are overcrowded. So now you have a situation that's overtaxed, but you're blaming the wrong people. It's pure politics. Let's find out if there's a need to know more. More to know. It worked. It looks like NASA's DART mission successfully slams into an asteroid. The goal was just to knock it off course. If you see the video, it barely looks like this spacecraft did anything, but it impacted at 714 last night. Cheers went up in the mission headquarters in Laurel, Maryland. The asteroid Dimorphos was not at risk at impacting the Earth. This demonstrated could determine how to deflect spare rocks that could pose a threat to Earth. At a time of impact, uh, it was relatively close to Earth, about 6.8 million miles. The team estimated to the spacecraft hit the asteroid at about 55 feet away from the space rock center. The goal of the spacecraft, in addition to the impact, is to affect the motion of the asteroid in space. But DART team members say that it will take about two months for scientists to determine if it knocked it off its orbit. Uh, Eric, why are they trying this? Just in case a big asteroid's going to hit us and wipe us out like they did the dinosaurs? Yeah, proof of concept. Make sure we can do it if we ever actually needed to. Do you think it did anything? Didn't look like it did anything. All it takes is a little bit of a nudge. So over a long period of time, its orbit will change. Even if we nudge it just a little bit, over time it'll change enough to not hit us. Now, uh, do you think the solar system will give us eventual credit for saving everybody? Or are we just looking to save Earth? Do we have a responsibility to protect Neptune and Saturn and Jupiter? I don't think so. Those are up for the taking. Um, they got a lot of minerals and precious metals there. I think it's just the Earth we're worried about. Good. That's a relief. Next. John Cena sets a new Guinness Book of World Records by granting 650 make-a-wishes. This guy is an outstanding wrestler. In 2015, he fulfilled his 500th wish. Yeah, he said, quote, I cannot say enough about how cool it is to see kids happy and their families happy. So I truly want to show that, that, uh, that it's their day. 
I just drop everything. I, I don't care what I'm doing. So if a kid wants to see him, he will do it. Cena has become one of the most popular wrestlers in history. He's also a really good actor, remember? Remind me of what movie? No, I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know he's a really good actor. He'll, he doesn't mind playing a goofy guy, but he's not as big as The Rock. That is true. Remember he made that movie in China and they made him apologize for saying Taiwan's a country? I do remember. Didn't he not? No, he did apologize. Someone else in did. Ja- in Chinese. Yes, that's right. Next. President Biden salutes the Braves, kind of. The franchise never quit. Never gave in. You rebuild the whole outfield practically overnight. Play by play, inning by inning. You grind, you ground it out and you did it together. You made the playoffs and beat the Braves, the, the Brewers and Dodgers. And then you beat the Astros to win it all, forever known as the upset kings of October. But none of it came easy. People counted you out. Heck, I, I, I know something about being counted out. All right, fantastic. And- so, by the way, a couple of things. Um, he's obviously struggling. They, they're not going to be known as the upset kings of October ever. They beat the Astros. They were a good team. The Astros might have been favored, but that's not upset Kings. If you want upset Kings, the Dodgers beating the Oakland Athletics with Kirk Gibson's home run, that's the upset King beating the Mets to get there to begin with. Number two is he should have brought up the fact that the, they knocked the All-Star game out of Georgia that was supposed to honor the greatest brave of all, Hank Aaron. He knocked it out because he came up with his Jim Crow 2.0 on voting laws. Stacey Abrams, too. It ends up breaking all that money, all that revenue away from Georgia right over to Colorado. Do you think that came up? No, but I mean, the fact the Braves still went there, given they removed the game, right? I mean, if that was Trump, would they have gone? I don't know, but uh, that's true, too. But then again, Georgia did go to Democrats, right? Georgia both Senate seats, except for the governorship, and Stacey Abrams said she was robbed. I'll bring up something else. They all of a sudden started to controversial, should the Braves be the Braves? As if it's an insult to the American Indian. That becomes the story in the press room. But I heard someone saying this morning, right, that's then going to probably hurt them in the midterms, right? Because... Georgia. I, I don't think it helps. Yeah. Stacey Abrams struggling big time. Next, Alec Boulder might end up facing charges in for the shooting and killing uh, the lighting director and the set of Rust, which he produces. Helena Hutchinson was injured, and director Joel Souza, uh, uh, Helena Hutchinson, Helena, Helena. You don't even know. know. Uh, Hutchins and uh, injured director Joel Suzu were shot by Baldwin by mistake. A prop gun discharged had real bullets in it. We still don't know why. We have a lot of questions. But it's been over a year, and the investigation, the final study has not been done yet or released yet. Quote, we are within weeks, if not days, of receiving the final report from the sheriff's office. It has become apparent that we will potentially be charging between one and four people with criminal charges. And each of these charges will probably include some variation of our homicide statute. How unbelievable is that? How could an, if you're going to indict, how could you not get Alec Baldwin? Well, I would agree, and actually, as a point that was brought up by your live show, what did his father used to teach it in your high school? Oh yeah, he used to be uh, be uh, president so, of the rifle club. He yeah. was got he was coach of the rifle team. So you got to think that he knows how to use a rifle. I'm not saying you know everything your dad does, but, but he was the rifle coach at the high school that he went to when his dad was a teacher. Yeah, it sounds of like his house his house probably had guns in some capacity. You would think. You would think. Wow. Uh, next, a quartet of Wisconsin native sisters with a combined age of 389 were awarded the Guinness Book of World Records for the for the highest combined ages of four living human beings. Congratulations to them. Uh, good genes. Is that safe to say? Safe to say. Maybe they eat healthy and take care of themselves. I don't know. Absolutely. Next, drinking two to three cups of coffee each day could help you live longer. 
We have different studies on coffee every day. Researchers in Australia have discovered that consuming two or three cups of coffee each day lowers heart disease risk. Study authors say there have been little research in the impact of various coffee preparation. The new report followed a massive group of nearly 450,000 adults from 40 to 69 in the U.K. All of these individuals were free of cardiovascular disease at the start of the study, which includes a history of coronary heart disease. Uh, as well as congestive heart failure. Study, the study authors note they also adjusted their results to account for age, sex, ethnicity, and obesity, high blood pressure, and diabetes. So drink two to three cups a day. I'm, that's already done. So good. You're already doing that? Yeah, you, okay. you are too. Mm, two. Another Minimum two. Quickly, instant coffee was drank the most at 44%. Taster's choice. Yeah, there you go. That's all. Hey, uh, Brian Kilme, go to briankilme.com. Find out how to see me live on stage. It's a thrill. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.